to the Lord with thanksgiving. For God is gracious, healing the brokenhearted, binding up their wounds. God, our creator, knows us each by name and knows our hearts. Let us confess our sins before our God who desires to save us and set us free. Let us pray. Gracious God, it's tempting to give up and give in, to hide from the injustices of the world 
to protect ourselves and our own, to turn off the evening news full of bad news, forgive our sins of escape, of ignoring, of turning our backs on those in need, forgive our sins of apathy when you call us to action, renew us, holy God, by your grace. Strengthen us to follow Christ's call. Amen. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Friends, believe this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Good morning, everyone. And welcome to worship at Fourth Presbyterian Church on this fifth Sunday after Epiphany. And if you're worshiping with us online, we'd be delighted for you to greet us by either scanning the QR code that appears on your screen or following the link below your video to fill out the digital pew pad. And for those worshiping with us in the sanctuary, we invite you now to turn and greet your neighbors in sharing the peace of Christ with them in whatever manner of greeting feels most comfortable and respectful. So, beloved, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And all God's people said, Amen. Once again, welcome to all, whether you are here, near, or far. We'd like to extend special greetings to those joining us from Huntley, Illinois, Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and all points in between and beyond. A reminder that this is the first Sunday of the month, so we will be celebrating communion this morning. And we encourage those of you worshiping with us online to have bread and juice on hand so that we can all share together in the Lord's Supper. Next Sunday, we will hold the annual meeting of the congregation at which we will elect officers and vote on amendments to the bylaws related to the number of youth elders and the filling of unexpired terms for deacons, elders, and trustees. That meeting will take place at 12.15 p.m. in the sanctuary and also via Zoom. And you can find more information about this meeting both in your worship bulletin that's printed and the bulletin online. In fact, the bulletin is the primary place where you will find our invitation to take part in the variety of ways in the life of this congregation. 
through a number of opportunities, be it supporting the Super Bowl, that is S-O-U-P-E-R Bowl of Caring, or the Chicago Lights Gala of Hope, or taking part in the Lenten Path of Discipleship series, or a summer walking pilgrimage. These uh, uh, information on these and other activities and ministries in the life of our church is located in the bulletin and on the website. And all of the announcements that sum up the law and the prophets on this Lord's Day May the peace of Christ continue to bless us as we worship God together. Let us pray. You have declared that your kingdom is among us, O God. Now open our eyes to see it, our ears to hear it, our hearts to hold it, our hands to serve it. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Psalter reading this morning is from Psalm 48, 9 through 14. Listen now for God's word among us. In the midst of your people, O God, we meditate on your steadfast love. Your praise, like your name, O God, reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad, and the towns of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Make the circuit of Zion, walk round about it, count the number of the city's towers. Consider well its ramparts, examine its strongholds, that you may tell those who come after. Mark this, God is our God forever and ever, guiding us even to the end. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Invite us to listen now for our second scripture reading, which is the final chapter of the book of Jonah. Immediately prior to our reading, Jonah has announced the coming judgment of God upon the city of Nineveh. The citizens of Nineveh repent, and God forgives them. And then this happens. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from punishment. 
And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there and sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared the sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? And also many animals. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Well, we have been journeying with Jonah for a few weeks now when the story finally comes to conclusion. Actually, it's better to say it just stops than concludes. The story ends with God and Jonah in mid-conversation. God asks, Jonah, why are you angry? Shouldn't I be concerned about the city? There are 120,000 people there. Not only that, Jonah, there are lots of animals. Jonah, have you been thinking about the animals? No, he's not been thinking about the animals. Now, who's been thinking about the animals? Uh, let's back up. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. Assyria invaded Israel. They conquered the northern part of Israel, everything north of Jerusalem. The Assyrian Empire maintained control over conquered peoples by mixing them up, scattering them across the empire, trying to uh, dissolve relationship, erode culture by mixing people all together. The result is that the 10 northern tribes of Israel are scattered across the empire and lost. The hatred for the Assyrians, therefore, was deep and long-lasting. To be gracious to the Assyrians was too much for Jonah. His disgust fills his speech. He protests and storms out of the city. The only thing that Jonah finds positive is this bush that grows up overnight. It provides a bit of shade a bit of shade to comfort him from the heat of the burning sun and from the steam coming out of his ears. 
But then just as quickly, this comfort is taken away as the bush dies overnight. Jonah can't handle it anymore. He throws another temper tantrum. And God says, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah says, yes, angry enough to die. And God says, you want to die because of what happened to the bush? But you didn't create the bush. The bush doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. I am the creator of this bush. You see where God is going with this argument. So also, I created the Ninevites. They belong to me. Shouldn't I care for them, Jonah? They are my own as well. Should I not care those 120,000 Ninevites who do not know their left hand from their right? And also the animals, Jonah. Have you been thinking at all about the animals? What animals? What are we talking about here? Now, I admit, we may have a division in the house on this. For some people, animals are far preferred to people. I've known, I've known some people who appear to love their pets more than their children. At our house, though, it turns out we sort of failed as pet people. We had a cat for about 15 years. It clawed all of our furniture, would leave dead bunnies on the welcome mat at the front door. It loved to sit in your lap, but our cat, when it sat in your lap, she drooled all over you. I didn't think cats were supposed to do that. It was awful. She was an outside cat. She loved that too, so we let her roam. About 10 years ago, Carol and I moved from one neighborhood in Kansas City to another, and our cat began to explore the new neighborhood. She liked it. She liked it a lot. As a matter of fact, about three months in, she moved in with a family down the street. She upgraded. <laughs> I was very broken up about it. So... If God said to me, Tom, have you considered the animals? No, no, God, I, I, I haven't been thinking about the animals. Now, don't think pets here. Think oxen and goats, possums. Think possums. In Jonah's day, they didn't have pets. They had animals. They weren't pets. They were livelihood. But why in the world does this book end with God asking Jonah, and haven't you been thinking about the animals? If I understand the text, this story pushes us by reminding us that the grace of God is always more expansive than we imagine. This story reminds you and me as people of faith that we are always struggling to keep up with the ever-expanding love of God. And as soon as we think we may have a grasp on it, as soon as we think we may be drawing close, God moves ahead and we are left to catch up once again as soon as Jonah, like it or not, begins to admit, begins to face that the love of God is poured out on his enemy, then God says, but don't, don't forget the animals. You know I love my animals. We are always struggling to keep up with the grace of God. When I first... Uh, 
when I first moved to Kansas City, I was serving the village church there. It was a larger church than I had served before. The learning curve was steep. In my first couple of years there, I began to have this recurring dream. Have you ever had recurring dreams? I had this recurring dream. I would, I would be driving to the church and I would arrive at the church and notice that the parking lot was just overflowing. And it was only then that I remembered there was a major event happening and I was supposed to be there. I, of course, was late. Sometimes it was a memorial service uh, or once I was to introduce a nationally known speaker. Once it was actually Easter Sunday and I, and I was late in my dream and I had to park a couple of blocks away and I I got out of my car and I start running to the church. This is embarrassing. And as soon, as soon as I reached the parking lot of the church, in my dream, the church building actually stood up on legs and ran two blocks down the road. <laughs> so I keep going. And in my dream, it is my testimony, I never caught up with the church. We, when it comes to God, that's kind of our posture. It doesn't require a trained therapist to interpret my dream. Sometimes we all feel like we can't keep up. Sometimes it's schedules, sometimes it's demands. It's pretty common feeling to feel that life is leaving us behind from time to time. But when it comes to God, the ways of God are always further out there. We never quite grasp them. It's been my experience as God's children that as soon as we expand our perspective on the grace of God, on the ways of God, on the inclusive love of God, as soon as we think we've wrapped our heads around that, God moves on. And we realize our new perspective is not the end of the journey, it's just one more step. Just as Jonah is wrapping his head around God's grace being poured out on his enemies, God says, but not just the Assyrians, Jonah. Don't forget about these animals. You know how I love these animals. And Jonah finds his imagination stretched even more. It is so easy for us to move through life judging who is in and who is out, who is deserving, who is not, who belongs, who does We don't even think about it. We just do it. We just judge who is right and who is insignificant. And yet God sees us with a different lens. She sees all that is beautiful and broken in us. She sees all that is valuable and all that is worthless. Sees all the faithfulness and all the failures that make up our lives. And God cares about all of that. But what seems to be the most consistent attribute of God is God refuses to let go of us. God holds on. Jonah, the people belong to me. Jonah, the bush belongs to me. Jonah, the animals belong to me. Why would you think I would ever let go of any that belong to me? 
I think God is like that. Us, on the other hand, we're not always. When it comes to living in a gracious manner, when it comes to offering grace to others, we can be kind of clumsy with that from time to time. I can be gracious in moments, you can too, but I never completely catch up. There are times when I treat others with kindness and respect and dignity, and there are other times when I fall flat, I come up short. The ways of God leave me behind. Am I making any sense to you? Theologian Hans Kung, who wrote a book on being Christian, and in the preface, he makes this statement. He says, the author writes this book not because he believes himself to be a particularly good Christian, but because he believes being Christian is a particularly good thing. I read, a kid, I read about a kid named Ben Coleman. He ran cross country in South Carolina. He ran every race in high school and people would show up to watch him run, which was an interesting thing because not only did Ben never win a race, he always, every single time, came in last. Now why do you suppose people would drop everything on an autumn Saturday to go watch a kid run who you know is not going to win? Ben had cerebral palsy. It seized the muscles and contorted his body, leaving him to lunge and falter. He would run and trip over twigs or his own feet. It would take a better part of the morning for him to run that 3.1 mile race. In almost every race he fell, and when he did, he fell hard because he couldn't react to catch himself. When he finally crossed the finish line, he was often bloodied about the elbows and knees. But every Saturday he ran, and every Saturday people waited. And when he got near the finish line, the rest of the kids on his team, and often kids from other teams, they would run out and meet him, and they would all cross the finish line together. Grown men in that town, they would be twisting their jaws, trying to keep the tears in their eyes and off of their faces. Why do you suppose the whole town turns out to watch a kid run who's never going to win? I think they watch because in the midst of the clumsiness, it's all so beautiful. I think they watch Ben Komen because they know there's so much like him, or maybe they want to be like him, not with cerebral palsy, but because they know that when it comes to the things that matter most, we are often clumsy. When it comes to the things, to the ways of God, to the grace of God and forgiveness, we, we are often a bit clumsy. And maybe they watch to remind themselves, you don't have to be particularly good at it to do a particularly good thing. This is the truth of us. The love of God comes to us where we are, but the love of God refuses to leave us as we are. Faith is a journey to a better life, a better self, a better world, a better city. And we make progress. Some say we don't, but we do.
We make progress, but we never quite catch up. For as soon as we get close to who we think God is calling us to be, God moves on. And we can sometimes, can sometimes leave us feeling we're in a race we're never going to win. We stumble and fall and make a mess of things. And then we come back here to this sanctuary and we hear God say, have you remembered the animals? Have you thought about how expansive my love is? Have you remembered that I will never let go of any that belong to me? So come on, keep running. You may not be particularly good at it, but keep running. Because in the things that matter most, we can be rather clumsy at times. But maybe by the grace of God, we will find ourselves stumbling in the right direction. And who knows, God may look at us and think it beautiful. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
Let us remain standing as we affirm what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God's dream of a beloved community includes and redeems all of us, all peoples and creatures who on earth do dwell. And yet sometimes that reality may seem far off. Sometimes we might not be able to catch up with it. But every day that dream has a chance to become a reality. For in this very congregation, there are ministries and programs which throughout the week help the burdened find hope, the hungry find food, the isolated find community. As you contribute to the ministries of Fourth Presbyterian Church, Chicago Lights, and our partners around the city and the globe, we hope that you know that you play a significant role in making all of those wondrous moments reality. Your, mo your morning offering will now be received.
is the joyful feast of the people of God. It is joyful because this is the Lord's table and also because the Lord invites you. Christ knows that the road of discipleship is demanding. Christ knows that along the way, we sometimes grow weary. So he has given us this feast that we might be refreshed in spirit, that we might be reminded that the love of God has called us by name. So come to the feast. It is prepared for you. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let us pray. God of all blessings, it is you who imagined us into being. And it is you who has filled every moment with grace. As we are drawn once again to this table bearing the symbols of your love. At your table, you remind us to remember. To remember that it is you who have gifted us with each day and graced us with this day, this very moment. To remember that it is you who created beauty and laughter and music. And you fashioned us to be defined by love that we may journey with one another in joy. You have poured out yourself, drenching each day with grace. We cannot help but join with angels in singing your praise. Inviting God, you invite us to your table and call us to remember. And in humility, you chose to dwell where we dwell to live here with us. And we remember how Jesus revealed to us your promised day. He told us stories of seeds and weeds and surprisingly good Samaritans. He welcomed women and blessed children and removed barriers that we erect between ourselves. He healed the sick, saw the invisible, lifted the lowly, and would eat with anyone, absolutely anyone. We have not kept up with what he has revealed to us, but we do remember it and we recognize in Christ we find our rock and our redeemer. We see in him our help and our hope and our home. 
Therefore, we join with the faithful through the ages to confess, great is the mystery of our faith. dreams, we come again to your table. Not only is it here that we are fed, but it is here where we learn that for which we hunger, and we remember the dreams that you hold for us, for justice to roll down like waters, for swords to be beaten into plowshares, for the day when your children will grow to be neither the destroyers nor the destroyed. You have shown us, O oh Christ, who you believe we can be, and you have promised if we follow you, we will discover who God always intended us to be and embody the dreams you hold for your children. We follow slowly. We struggle to keep up. May you meet us in the gifts of bread and cup that we might be renewed for the journey, carried by your grace, inspired by your love, emboldened by your truth. Hear us now as we pray with heart and voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On the night of his arrest, while he was gathered with his disciples in the upper room, Jesus took bread and after giving thanks, he broke it, said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. And after they had supper, our Lord took the cup and pouring it out. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant which is sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, remembering me. And the apostle Paul reminds, as long as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. The feast is ready. Today we'll be observing the sacrament at stations. There will be ushers who will invite you pew by pew, row by row to come forward or to receive the elements in the back. I'll invite you to come to the center aisle, receive the elements returned by the, by the outside aisles. If you would prefer to receive the elements where you are, there will be servers on the side aisles, just indicate to them and they will bring the elements to you. Come now, the feast is ready.
body or in spirit as we pray together. O God, in deep gratitude for this moment, this meal, and all who partake in it, we give ourselves to you. We know that because we have shared the living bread and the cup of salvation, we cannot remain the same. Ask much of us, expect much from us, enable much by us, encourage many through us. May we live to your glory, both as inhabitants of earth and citizens of your righteous reign. Amen. As you go from this place, remember that God does not just love, God loves you. It is a love that calls you by name. It is a love that will never let you go. Trust in that and let that love instruct and inspire you to do the good that is yours to do this week, to share the love that is yours to share. And God will use that to lead us to God's promise today. It is a day when justice will roll down like waters. It is a day when swords will be beaten into plowshares. It is a day when all that belong to God will know that they belong to God. We are living toward that day. And now may the love of God, 
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of God's Spirit, rest and abide with us all now and forever. Amen.